Truth in His Art. I am your host, Rob Lee. And today, I had the privilege of um, doing an interview on site. This is, this is like hollow ground in some ways. I'm here at um, Noted Magdalene, and I'm doing an interview with a contemporary and classically trained chef who unites culture, tradition, and sophistication to create dishes full of character. Please welcome Chef Scott Bacon. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Uh, I stumbled through my intro, but we'll, we'll rock with it. <laughs> so, um, yeah, thank you. It's always interesting when I'm, I've had food from the chef before I actually have talked to them. Yeah, I, I heard that you ate with your girlfriend a little while ago. I, I wasn't aware of that, until, yeah. honestly, until this morning. So it's great, it's great that you've had, I think, I think it makes you know, the interview a little more, you know, it makes more sense when you've actually eaten the food rather than us just talking about a hypothetical sort of thing. You know? Absolutely. So tell me about this fictional food. <laughs> so so let's, let's start off with, um, so I, I gave an introduction, but that's the, the boilerplate. That's the one that you found online. Um, could you introduce yourself, um, like how you would introduce yourself? And please, like, telephone folks, the listeners, about your first job in the kitchen. Um, so my name is Scott Bacon. Um, I'm from Maryland. Um, I've been here uh, in the city since I was about 19, about to turn 20 years old. Um, I started cooking originally when I was uh, going to music school. Um, I was studying jazz performance and composition uh, only at Howard, Howard Community well, I say only, but at Howard Community College, you know, not to diminish community colleges. I, I hate that people act that way about it. Um, but, you know, I, was, I got out of, out of high school and I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. Uh, I always wanted to be a musician. Uh, I still play music now. I think that's not really something that you ever give up. But, um, you know, I wanted to be a musician, and I started cooking while I was in college uh, just as a way to make money. I think that's how a lot of chefs, whether they want to be honest about it or not, a lot of chefs that didn't go to culinary school started doing it just as a means to make money. Yeah. Um, but I started working for um, Zamin Bean Cafe, which is over on Fleet Street. Uh, it's not open anymore. Um, it's actually owned by uh, the Dornick family, which is... Um, sort of prominent in that little uh, sort of Polish sector of yeah. Fells Point. Um, they own the one uh, retirement community that's around the corner that's a lot of sort of Eastern European people. Um, and I started line cooking there, and the guy Scott Lanfear, who um, years later I actually opened Patterson Public House with, which was like my executive chef job before I came to the Ivy, uh, he was the everything man at Zamin Bean then. Like, to say he was the chef is a joke. To say he was the front of house manager was a joke. To say he was the dishwasher, the garbage man, he was just everything. Uh, he lived in the apartment upstairs and um, sort of kind of started getting me inspired about the culinary world. Like, I didn't really know much about restaurants. Um, I loved cooking and I already loved food, uh, but I didn't know that restaurants were sort of this, like, happening, like, just crazy party place like yeah. you know I was like when you're when you're about to turn 21 and like you meet this guy who's like you know he's, I think Scott's six years older than me um you know he took me under his wing started showing me how to dice an onion like show me how to do everything right um and then eventually he always talked about his favorite restaurants in the city and the Brewers Art was a place that he always talked about uh, and one of my good friends that I lived across the street from at the time because I lived, was living in Arbutus near UMBC uh, was working at the Brewers Art as a bar back and got me a job there so nice. that was really when it kind of took off uh, the chef there at the time, Ray Coombe, like took me under his wing and uh, sort of talked me into doing this for the rest of my life. Uh, he was just like, you know, you're a really good musician, but like, you know, you always say you don't want to be a music teacher. You say you don't want to do this, you don't want to do that. Like, you know, you work the saute station in a busy restaurant already, even cooking for a year and a half at that point or something. Um, so he kind of, you know, was like, you should really think about doing this which is funny because, you know, him and I had a conversation a couple of weeks ago about how I shouldn't do this anymore, which is <laughs> kind of funny. That's sort of where a lot of people in the industry are now. Um, 
but yeah, so he sort of took me under his wing, started giving me the right books to read, and you know, the rest is history, as they say. And I've just been cooking since then. It's, it's a full circle-ness there, too, of yeah. like, oh, so this is where we're at. And, you know, I, I think food is a really big part of, like, the culture. Hospitality here is a really big part of the culture. And I think when I see places that I like, kind of what you were touching on there, like people leaving the industry, people shifting from the industry and figuring out different things to do, um, when you see that change, it's like, bummer. It's like, what are these things, like, there's that, it's a sandwich. I'm, I'm sure you've had it. It's that, um, it's like that Baltimore club sandwich. And I remember it was one place that was kind of the creator. It may have been oh, like. the crab cake on it and yeah. everything? Yeah. I think it was maybe City Cafe. I think so. And when Either that goes. City, yeah, I think it's, I think it was City Cafe. So when that, that goes and it's no longer here, it's like, does that menu, does that person that was there leave? And it's like a piece of culture, a piece of what you maybe remember about the city or remember about an era kind of goes with it. And that's kind of heartbreaking in some yeah. regards. And that, that is one of the things for me is with, you know, the way COVID sort of tore the industry apart mm -hmm. and, you know, we're very much still rebuilding. Um, I understand why a lot of people looked for alternative things to do. Um, being a chef is one of those things that, you know, no matter how you try to spin it and no matter how tough you try to act, it's, it's soul crushing sometimes. Yeah. Um, and, you know, with the a global pandemic and sort of, just a, a laundry list of new factors just adding to that sort of strain to that sort of like fatigue that you get emotionally and physically and mentally it's kind of like I get why you would want to leave but for a person like me it's just like when I realized that this is what I wanted to do for the last over a decade of my life this is all I've ever been this is all I've ever wanted to be so yeah. for me it's like the idea of giving up is greater than the adversity you know what I mean? No, I, I dig it. I like, dig it. Like the idea of waking up and being like, I'm not a chef anymore is like, that's a very scary feeling for me. It's like that. It's, I don't know if you're a comic book guy, but it's like Spider-Man no more. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, they, I, I love I love comic books. Yeah, yeah. There's, there, and there is a whole, a, a lot of runs of different comics that are like that, where suddenly like, it, it's almost, it's almost like Flashpoint Paradox. Like I think about that sort of idea <laughs> where it's like all of a sudden, like it's, I'm in someone else's life if I'm not a chef. Everyone that knows me, everyone that I'm friends with, like even people I grew up with, like friend, people that I've been friends with for 16, 17 years, like one of my garnish cooks yeah. I've known since we were 15. Wow. You know what I mean? So it's a situation where now we both ended up cooking somehow and, you know, he thinks of me as a chef, like I'm his boss. You yeah. know, it's, it's this interesting sort of like anyone that knows me, that's what I am. So how do you... And you walk away from that. You know, I have, like, friends that are, like, accountants now and stuff like that. And, you know, they're happy as hell. But, yeah. like, I'm just, like, you don't ever think about, like, you know, I see you making viale and, you know, stuffing rabbit loins in your house and stuff like that. But it's, like, you don't ever think about, you don't ever miss, you know, I, you, never, I, you don't ever miss tying the apron on. Like, you don't ever miss the coat. You know? I, I have an apron, actually, at my crib with, yeah, my, yeah. with my logo on it. It's ridiculous. And um, That is sick. <laughs> I may send it to you. I may That's just give it to you. That is very cool. Um... But one, but it makes me think. It goes back to this this thing I've, I've mentioned on a few times in this podcast. This notion of vocation, this notion of calling, and when you find it, it it's like. So I had a period where I worked as a marketing person, like a marketing analyst, and I was really attached to that job because it gave me some of the creative stuff and it gave me some of the psychology stuff, but also gave me the granularity of getting into numbers and seeing like how those things are tied. What does this thirty second ad? cause like a person to do? How do you influence people's behavior? And then when I was essentially kind of like thrown away from that industry, 
it, again, it was soul crushing and it's not, it wasn't my calling, but I was very attached to it. So when you run into something and encounter something that is your calling, that is, if you're a creative soul, that's your, your calling, you're attached to it. This is like, this is my vocation. I found it. And then when you're taken from it because of circumstances outside of your control, that's, that's the thing that really stinks. Yeah. I, I think, I think that the reflect, the reflection time that people had during lockdown mm-hmm. is what took a lot of people away from the industry. But for me, it's sort of like, I went into a very heavy reflection and realized that I needed to take my career to the next level. Um, that the next, when I, when, when, and if that situation ended, mm-hmm. when I came back to the kitchen, I had to be new. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I had to no longer go 90%. I had to go 110. Like, you know, I had to, you know, it was, it was, it was time to, time to do it. Like, you know, I, I turned 30 during quarantine. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it was like, I, it was a very, very tough and, self-actualizing time for me but I was just like when I go back to the kitchen I it's I have to make it mine and that's and that's kind of this like we were talking about this a little bit before we got started with the the, the record button coming on of yeah you, when you're you're working on something you're putting out prolific output and you're just like I need to shift I need to turn this up and someone asked me like what are you running off of and I was like spite <laughs> that's hilarious that you said that because that's what I tell. That is amazing. That's seriously amazing because like, that's what I tell my cooks and stuff like all the time. It's just like I am very determined, but like the amount of things that I do out of spite yes. is, is amazing. It's like it's, it's. I remember it was this song I was listening to. I think it was uh, Johnny P's Caddy. It was uh, Benny the Butcher and J Cole. Uh-huh. And I'm an Aquarius, and J Cole was just throwing out shots, and I was like, yes, all of it, and. It was one part was like, I'm here for my respect. I want what's mine. That's, that's the way I was feeling with it. Yeah. Um, so going back into it, see, that was nice, nice and bit of banter there, but yeah, it was think, actually usable banter. Yeah, I think that you, I think you did put it best um, in the beginning of this. Like, you, you were kind of just like, you know, you were like, what, what, what propels you? What keeps you going? And it's just like, you know, just we'll kind of sleep like yeah I'll, 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 I'll stop when I when I stop you know what yeah. I mean? it's like how long am I going to be this productive is the way that you put it earlier it's yeah. like I, like how much time do I really have to push myself pedal to the floor overclock the computer like how long do I have to do that absolutely so it's like just do it while you can yeah and you know and then from and what comes from that is people people start noticing and then it's almost like your Garnett late in his career. It's like, I can coast making 25 million now. I'm trash. Yeah. <laughs> I'm mad. But you already did it, so no one's gonna, what was it? They gonna tell Kevin to get off the court? Get out of here. No, hell no. It's like people are still coming, in, people are still in the seats because he's on the court right Absolutely. now. Absolutely. Know? Um, so I read that your, your culinary repertoire comes from your Southern black and British roots, underscored um, by a classic, by classic French finesse. How do those influence? How those influence uh, reflected in your interpretations of like Maryland classics? Like, how do those things kind of come together? Uh, I think anything that I cook is sort of informed by my upbringing. At this point, um, a lot of in my you know taking over this restaurant and everything, I started kind of thinking about like how I wanted to be perceived as a chef, uh, like what my food really was. Um, I think a lot of Italian influence always came in through my stuff when I was younger. Uh, because I was working for Julian at Chingale, and like you know, I got really excited about pasta, and you know, a lot of the techniques and uh, Piemontese flavors, and like all of that sort of like Italian meets German stuff that he instilled in us. I still use a lot, um, mm-hmm. but my way, you know, it now. Um, and I kind of started thinking about like you know what is really my food, and it's like sort of this like global influence, but still Southern flavors from like my grandmother, my father, um, and my mother is British, so mm-hmm. it, like it's that sort of like people try to say like bangers and mash and all that stuff is the 
national cuisine of England, but it's not. It's Indian. Like it's very much like curry. Yeah, it's it's like like my mother's favorite foods are curry and just mushy peas with tandoori flavor and like like you know like all that kind of stuff. Like where it's like this very deliberate fusion of cuisine. Um, And I feel like imperialism and like the British in general, they've been sort of, their cuisine has been global for a very long time. Yeah. Um, and I feel like people always think about this like fish and chips, like sort of boring, like fried, bland, like, you know, just like not much going on, like fat, fat, fat kind yeah. of thing when they think of British food. But no, it's like they've been borrowing from all the cultures that they, you know, in essence, you know, stole from, for lack of a better term, uh, for, for ever. Um, so that, that I feel like that sort of, my mother's food and what she thinks about is just all over the place. Um, so I've sort of like in my cooking now th- always try to take things that culturally might not go together, but like flavor wise are perfect. Like, mm-hmm. uh, like sorghum and miso, for example, is a thing that like people keep being like perplexed and overjoyed by in this restaurant. Like yeah. the, there's like red, red miso sorghum butter that comes with the bread service mm-hmm. right now. We're doing like two brioche biscuits, I mean two brioche rolls and then two buttermilk biscuits with this butter and people are like, how do you think of this combination? It's like, well, there's always sweetness and there's always savory and umami in Asian cuisine. So mm-hmm. it's like you find these floral notes in the sorghum and the sweetness in the sorghum and then miso is just a perfect pairing with it. Um, so and they're same things like sesame is amazing in like romesco sauce, which, you know, that's from, you know, same side of the planet, but yeah. two very different cultures. So I, I always kind of like meld all these cultures together in a way that no matter what I cook ends up being prevalent on the plate. So when I go to do a Maryland classic, like the, for example, right now we have um, my play on like Cotties, yeah. um, but I'm using local blue catfish. Uh, we're smoking it and then we're making it in like sort of the style of like a bacalao croquette. So yeah. it's like, there's like four cultures meld to make this little cod ball or like a little catfish ball. Yeah, yeah. But at the end of the day, it's like, you know, it's just a little, just a little fish croquette. You know what I mean? But like the way that I explain it to everyone is like, it's, you know, Maryland because it's, local blue catfish it's smoked it's got the southern flair yeah. and then the technique that we use to make it is very spanish and then it comes with this like absinthe mustard aioli that like for kind of tastes like potato salad and intentionally kind of gives you this whole like i'm eating fried catfish and potato salad right now but they're little balls of potato and, and so I, it's like <laughs> here's, here's the thing here's the thing that's one of the things i had actually when i was here yeah. and i was like Okay, that's the best bite I've had this week. That's literally what I said, and it reminded me because I, I was talking with my girl about it. I was just like, and because I, I didn't want to share with her, I was like, we can just get another <laughs> order. Like this is for me, and she loves catfish, and she's pescatarian. She's like, wasn't that for me? I was like, no, get out of here. Yeah, yeah. So it, it, it gave me this vibe of like, I definitely got exactly what you described there. It reminded me in some ways of. My mom's like it's not it's not salmon, but my mom's like salmon cakes, and then it Which reminded my dad, my dad makes salmon cakes always. Yeah, <laughs> and then it reminded me of um, when I would go to a, a tapas place like Tapas Teatro and like have their like their their croquettes. Well, I was like, oh, that, but I was like, but it's unique; it's its own thing. But I was like, now I want that, but I need to get this as well. And um, yeah, it's it's great, and it's great to hear like how that comes together, like when you're you're putting something together. Yeah, that. It is exactly what it reminded me of. Like, catfish, <laughs> like, that's potato salad, right? Yeah. I mean, I literally, I was like, can we pull these curtains closed? I could do one of these. The- <laughs> no, you, no, I don't think anyone's judging. It's a sauce. Throw, throw it in there. So, I'm just going to throw a finger in there. It's <laughs> yeah, gonna why be, not? It's going to be not? really weird. <laughs> so, this is, this is a great follow-up question, I think. Um, education and training is all about the rules. But once you understand the rules, 
it makes it easier for you to break them or revise them. And it's, it's improvisational, it's, it's jazz. Um, what rule comes to mind for you that you're like, this is the first one I'm gonna break when I'm doing my own thing. And um, how, how does your approach differ from like the way you were maybe taught something or way that you learned something initially? Um, I'd say that my approach is different than the way I was taught initially because um, a lot of my initial training was very surgical in the way that the cooking was. Uh, everything's grammed out. Everything's, you know, it not by, everything's not by a recipe, but there was a lot less cooking with your instincts. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that that was when working for Julian really started to, like, open up a whole new world to me. Sure. Uh, because the way it was at Chingale a lot of the time was there was, there were not, there was no recipe book. Mm. Um, it was just like, so what is this dressing? What is this like, sauce? Can you cook? <laughs> he, he just starts spouting off ingredients and how many, and you better be writing it down. You know what I mean? And that's the way that it is with me and my cooks now is that, you know, I'm going to teach you actually how to do this. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm not going to hand you a binder where you just, the reason you know how to make it is because you can spout off it's 1,250 grams of this, it's 300 grams of this, it's 200 grams of this, and you do, you know what I mean? You know yeah. the steps. You don't actually know how to make that thing. Right. Um, and I think that that's the big difference between the way I cook now and the way that I cooked when I was first learning. And I, and I think it's good that I learned that way because it gave me the ability to know how far I can push something before it's wrong, yeah. realistically. Um, and I think that that's really what the difference is, is now I know how to get to a product and exactly how to do something the proper way. So mm -hmm. now it's like finding your own way to get there that yeah. might be unusual. Like, you know, maybe if you explain that to like, uh, like some of the chefs I've worked for, someone who's more classically trained than I am, they'd be like, oh. But like if they taste it, they're like, wow, this is fantastic. You know, I'm not, I'm okay with that. And, that and sometimes I think that cooking is one of those things where like the ends sort of justify the means mm -hmm. as long as it's still being done on a high level. Yeah, I, I think like, I watch a lot of Triple D, <laughs> and whenever I watch something like how a guy is like observing how, how someone makes whatever they're making, and he's like, "Really, you use that?" And I'm, I was like, "Yeah." And result, like, what's it taste like? How good is it? Or even this process, like, someone's like, "This is what you use," or you recorded that way, or this is your process. Yeah, and it's like I know how to do it the other way too. Like, when it goes through a process, you you asked me a few questions earlier. I know how to use like four different, four or five different interfaces to, to get sound and to, I can MacGyver this yeah. sometimes. And I think that goes into just being around it, playing with it and knowing the process and really knowing how to do what you do versus saying, this is what I am. Exactly. And I, th and I think a lot of it comes, like you said, it's like jazz. A lot of it always comes back to my training as a musician and yeah. sort of like playing live music for a long time and recording music for a long time. I think that that is one of the things that, like, again, you know, it sounds bad, but, like, the ends do justify the means. I think it's, like, you can find so many different ways to get to the same product. And I think that a lot of cooking, it's, like, as long as you are still proud of what you're doing, you know what I mean? Like, don't... Like, don't use bouillon cubes <laughs> when you're serving $55 a plate no, lamb dish. No. You know what I mean? They're, but, like, there's just always like like for example i use this carrot barbecue that i've been making for years at this point um and people always love it there's always like anytime it ends up on a dish people are like what's this question i mean what's this sauce there's yeah. ketchup in the sauce yeah do you know what i mean like there it's there's things like that where it's just like yeah this is going on a, a dish in a you know we're a bistro at this point but we're an upscale bistro no matter no, what anyone wants to say like we are 
what a neo bistro would be at this point where it's like you're still sort of fine dining but you know you have this more approachable mm. restaurant you know they, they don't want us to use the words fine dining about magdalena anymore but at the same time it's like i have foie gras and truffles right? yeah like, it's like so what is what is this place then I mean, um, I threw on a jacket when I came here, so... Yeah, it's like, and, and the thing is, if you f- are trying to keep up with the vibe and you feel what's going on in the place, it's like, we're approachable, you can come in and eat a t-shirt, you mm-hmm. can get out of here for a, a decent amount of money per person, like, you can sit down and have a burger and order a side vegetable, some oysters, you yeah. know, eat on the same the same plateau of, of cost as any other restaurant in the city, or you can come here, you can get caviar servers, you can get foie gras, you can get a filet, you can spend... 300 bucks a person easily you can you can clear two grand before you get to your entrees if you want yep. you know what I mean but it's like, so it's like that's the thing for me that I love about this place is that it's like kind of tailor your own experience absolutely um, but at the same time I think that when you're creating food you don't always have to think about whether the ingredients that are, you're using are the most expensive or the most sort of appealing or classy or anything like that it's like how delicious is this mm-hmm. would you eat this would you be proud to stand next to a table and tell someone that's what it is and I think that that really is now the way that I cook more is like what makes me feel good and like mm-hmm. what instinctually for me is delicious it, it what you said there a moment ago reminded me of one of the key takeaways I took from Euro Dreams of Sushi it's like, oh, you can take just different cuts. You don't have to take that really expensive cut of tuna if you know what you're doing. <laughs> you can make magic with some of the cuts that other people would throw away. Yeah. And even going to like like places locally that will do, let's say, whole animal butchery. And it's like, yeah, we're not really serving steak per se. We're, we're, we're selling steak because they're a butchery and a restaurant. But it's like, yeah, we can do burgers that have this in it. We yeah. can have these different parts of let's say a cow that people aren't traditionally using, but as butchers, we know how to make magic with it. Yeah, here's a nice eye round or some beef plate or like any of the other cuts yeah. on a cow that are amazing. Petite filet. Yeah, yeah, there's, I, I there's so many, now. and that's the thing is like our spring menu, um, and it's funny because our management company and so, sort of like our two of the people who are like co-owners of this place, um, the Garrett's are the ones that they help set up this place and um, they also had like the point in upstate New York and uh, like Lake Placid, Placid Lodge and uh, David Garrett, uh, who you know pa- passed away a few months ago, uh, is sort of like a titan of the Relay and Chateau industry. Uh, but they were here and they're sort of talking to me about because like now all I've sort of when I first took over and I first did my fall menu, I sort of like you know I didn't play it safe, but you know I put my influence and my flair into everything, but still kind of tried to make it. I didn't want anyone to come and get sort of like plate slapped by Magdalena. You know what I mean? Like all of a sudden it's this very. I just think that my food's like very delicate, a lot more delicate than the food was here before, um, and just very different. Yeah. Uh, so, but it, now it's like the spring menu and what I'm doing now. It's like I'm the more and more I've shown my personality, the more people have started to respond to it. Um, so I'm not doing that anymore. Yeah. Uh, so the thing you were saying is like there's going to be like rabbit on the spring menu and there's going to be pork cheeks and it's like I'm doing a lot of more like off cuts and yeah. the, the way that I cook uh, and and for me sustainability and kind of turning trash into treasure. Um, is sort of that's the coolest part of what a chef is to me. Absolutely. Like it's sort of like being an alchemist. Like yeah. the last true alchemy is taking a bunch of random, you know, carrot tops, yeah. pork cheek, and like the livers from a duck and making a delicious dish. You know what I mean? And, and I, I just think it's like the fact that you can do that when someone else is like, "Well, I threw all that stuff out." Yeah. Should I get that out of the trash? It's like, yeah, man. That, the, you can use that. Yeah, that's the best part of the pork, and that's the most the most carrot tasting part of the carrot to some people. You know what I mean? It's yeah. it's, it's very. I, I I've always become fascinated with that, and I think a lot of people. It's like, oh, that's like the tweezer 
tattooed chef, like kind of like I'm a hipster, check out my radish tops kind of thing. You know? But you know, but you know what I mean? It's yeah. like, no, it's like that's, th those people, you, you think about those people because those are the people that are, like the guy that's got a bunch of food tattoos, most of the time it's because he's all in. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? The guy who's using tweezers and doing all that stuff, it's because he sees all the greats doing that. The guy that's doing this, it's, it, it, you know what I mean? It's kind of like, is it pretentious or is it because that person's living and breathing this shit right now? Right. You know, and and like I don't, I don't, I never, like people talking about like koji and like all that stuff being like buzzwords. Like that's why I don't put that on my menu. But there's three kinds of koji in my kitchen right now. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it's like there's there's a lot of those things where it's like it's not you're not a hipster just because you're doing what's like like you're on the forefront of people trying to highlight that we need to cook the way we always have and mm -hmm. stop just sort of like buying the most expensive cut and putting it in the middle of the plate and calling it a day. What, what like, is, you what, know, there's ways to transform things. What is what is that, um, like pawpaws? I just remember I was, yeah. I was shading people. I was like, oh no, just everyone's just doing it. And because, you know, knowing, knowing some chefs, well, I was like, nah, they weren't doing this until you were doing this. Yeah. And now it's like, it's fine and it's like, you almost like some people need that uh, that information that oh it's cool to do this now yeah well and for me a lot of it was I never got to use it until I was the one in charge like I couldn't mm -hmm. get people I worked for to get that stuff like you know I'm like like and you know Sean Brock's been a, like a huge inspiration for me for my whole career like people like him and Dan Barber and like you know even like Jeremiah the Dabney mm -hmm. like people that just sort of like take everything from the area that they're in and try to put it on their menu I always wanted to do that like there's these like pawpaws are a nightmare to work with I don't know if you've ever held one of those no. things in your hand like it's like it is 90% a gigantic seed oh, like it's no. like you know like think about like a mango like, mm -hmm. the, like the structure of a mango it's like that but it's just like slime with a huge seed in the middle I'm all set <laughs> but, but the thing is like if you can figure out what to do with them like I made a pawpaws and like apple butter kind of like glaze that I was doing on mm -hmm. duck confit at the place I came from and, yeah. it, and it, you know it was I got all these pawpaws I was like I don't know what I did to myself because I'd never worked with it before you know and I was super excited and I just like got like 40 pounds of pawpaws and it was just like in hell <laughs> but then now at this point in my career it's like those are those learning moments when you're like you, did you buy the thing because it was trendy or did you buy it because you really wanted to use it but they turned out to be delicious it's like a banana mango yeah yeah like they're delicious so what so uh, this this is a question because I, I like to learn and like to steal so let me say it differently I like to learn and like to adopt things that people share with stealing's me. fine yeah <laughs> um so I read when a chef goes off menu and serves like uh, guests new items or things that they're trying out or even holds conversations with like their their guests. That's a great sign. Is that true? And as a chef, how do you show appreciation when you have like those are my people that came in? Like, how do you show appreciation as a chef? Um, if So if it's a VIP or like if you know the person. Mm -hmm. um, well, like my parents came. I think that's a good You're like example. full price now. It's a good example. <laughs> like my parents came, um, this was their first time, you know, since I became the chef here. Like they'd never been to the hotel. Um, my mom's birthday was the 14th of March. Uh, so I got them a stay in the hotel. They had dinner. Um, obviously, it was like if my father tries to take his wallet out, slap it, take it away. Put that away. Put it in a, lock it in the safe until <laughs> they leave. You know what I mean? Like it was just like try to make it, like it's, they were my parents and I'm yeah. the chef of the hotel. I try to make it like literally a wonderland for them. 
Um, but like you know that that's a special circumstance of the people that raised me. Yeah. Uh, but like you know if it's like my friends or you know someone like a food writer or like you know someone who just really love like we have regulars all the time like people that just really love the restaurant and raving about it want to talk to me like maybe I'll send them a little mid course like something cool that we have laying around yeah. that like you know, like some like we we had hamachi on the seafood platter before we were breaking it down and like the collar of hamachi is really good but yeah. we weren't doing anything with it so like we kept like. Um, do, we had a marinade that was on Amberjack that was like I was saying before it was like shio koji and sorghum miso uh, like barrel aged soy sauce and stuff we were just marinating the collars the same way um, and then just like if the VIP came in we had them like vacked in the marinade we just take it out and put it on like the Conroe grill like the char little charcoal like pinto chan grill yeah. and then just like do like a little radish salad on it and like some like puree or something and like you know we always kind of like that's I think that's the most fun when yeah. you have someone that's like special to you or like that wants to experience your cooking a little more. It's like, you know, you have your menu and you have what you do, like things that, you know, sell at the end of the day. It's yeah. like, it can be cool and ambitious and like, but at the end of the day, it's like, no matter what a chef says, like, unless you're in some like tasting menu restaurant in DC or like in a, 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 a cosmo, more cosmopolitan city, like you're playing it a little safe. And you, know, yeah. you want to have things on the menu that like are cool and it, like express who you are and how you cook, but you want people to order it. You Absolutely. Know? So like hamachi collar and like all that stuff, it's like you, save those little things for like to do a special for someone and people always be like wow why don't you put this on the menu <laughs> yeah, and it's yeah. like because honestly you probably wouldn't have ordered it if it was on the menu this you know true. what I mean it's like you love it because I gave it to you and you ate it and like you're excited that like I sort of informed you to eat that but like if it's on the menu and it says hamachi collar like what are you, are you going to order it you know what I mean so I think that mm -hmm. that is the most fun is like you number one get to send something special to somebody yeah. but you also get to kind of do like a plate that you wouldn't do otherwise you know so that's always my thing is like it, sending off menu stuff to people is always always really cool that's dope I, one of the, the one of the best things that I've heard going into a restaurant is when the chef pops over it's like any restrictions and I'm like nah and then just random things start coming out I was like just kill you with food yes that's my favorite yes. I love doing that to people like honestly it's really cool um, one of my best dining experiences of my life was at Nomad um, in New York mm -hmm. it's like 11 Madison Park's sister restaurant yeah um, my friend Calda who used to be someone that worked for Foreman Wolf at the same time that I was working for them, I didn't even realize somehow, like I knew he moved to New York, but I didn't realize worked for 11 Madison and worked at the Nomad. Mm -hmm. So we like walk in and he's like, evening show, like my, like my friend's like standing at the host stand and I'm just like, ah! <laughs> and he's just like, evening chef, I tagged your uh, reservation VIP, you're gonna have a wonderful evening. And then like we sit down and just like, I'm getting sent things in like a restaurant that like, you know what I mean? At that point, like I was a sous chef, like I'd saved up to go eat there. You yeah. know what I mean? Like my, like my, it was my girlfriend and I's, like both our birthdays are in April. So it's like, we're gonna go here, we're gonna eat at Homestead, 11 Madison and Nomad. Yeah. Um, and just started getting sent things at like Nomad. Like they sent us like the golden egg, like the little like sturgeon caviar egg that's not even on the menu yeah. there. It's like on the menu at 11 Madison. Like it was just like a whole like completely sublime experience. Yeah. Like my girlfriend's just like, how is this happening? She's like, I don't even understand. I'm just like, well, I know the guy. And it's like weird that I do, that I even, yeah, I felt bad because it's like, how do I not know you work here? You know what I mean? But I think that those are like experiences that are really, really memorable and like special where you're like, I went to this place and the chef just like, just balled out yeah, on just me. balled out on me, yeah, for like lack of a better way yeah. to put it. Like, that's exactly what I was going to say, just balled out on me. I remember sometimes, like, because I'm friends with, with Chris and uh, Chris Amendola at Foraged, and I just remember I was running late for an interview, and where he's located is very close. He's in Station North, and it's very close to where I'm recording at. So I was going to pop over to have a quick drink, 
And he was like, hey, Rob. Started rubbing my shoulder, and I was like, what are you doing? And he's like, um, hungry? Need a bite? And I was like, now I'm just going to finish this drink, bro. I'm going to, because I know what he's planning. It's yeah, like, I'm in trouble. you see it going. Yeah, I'm in a world of trouble. He comes out a few few seconds later. Um, actually, he sends out like one of the uh, servers a few, few minutes later, and it's just like the fried oysters, which I love. And I was like, okay, smash those. I was like, I need to go. And she pops back over really quick. I was like, oh, oysters? She was like, nah. Chef say don't leave yet. And I was like, mm. And he comes out with something that I think he was just debuting that week. It was the um, it was bone marrow, and I've never had bone marrow before. And my dog has had oh, bone marrow, like bird's beak peppers and stuff on it. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. And um, and he brings it out, and it's like sizzling. I was like, pequeno peppers. Uh huh. Yeah. And I was like, I felt like I was high because it was just so much beefy goodness there, and I was like. I need to leave. I gotta go. I was like, I just want to pay. And the um, the bartender was like, oh, you're just paying for the drink. That was on chef. And I was like, and I texted him later. I was like, I hate you. <laughs> yeah, I had a time when one of my friends, like when I was a sous chef at Brewers Art, one of my friends, Wyatt, was still working there. And like, he did like a pasta like taste. I, I came and just like have a sandwich on my yeah. day off. And he just literally did like a pasta tasting of like all this stuff that he had. Yeah. Like raviolis he had in the freezer and just like all this, like he literally, except he'd saved like one order of <laughs> and just did like a four course pasta tasting and then sent me my sandwich after that. And I was like, I don't want the sandwich like, I, I'm all carved out. Yeah, can, you, yeah, can you, can you box this? Like I gotta go, I'm dead now. <laughs> I gotta leave. So I got, I got two more real questions yeah, and then I got some rapid fire ones. Um, so, and this is a good segue. Um, so let's say it's your off day, you're going out for a meal. What is the criteria for selecting a place? Are you checking out a new place? You going to a regular hunt? What does that look like for you? I like checking out new places. Um, I do always, my goal is to always feel like I didn't waste my money. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I think that's everyone's goal. Um, I end up going to a lot of the same places because of that. Like I go to Alma Casino because it's fantastic. Mm -hmm. I go to Team Shree Oyster House because like they're undefeated, in my opinion. Yeah. Like just undefeated. Like literally, I've had 20 meals there. <laughs> the only complaint I ever had one time was I got shakshuka and it was just hotter than the surface of the sun, yeah. which is like barely a complaint at all. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, my food was super hot. <laughs> and it's a shakshuka, which is like eggs. Like, you know what I mean? It's like literally cooked in boiling tomato sauce in the oven. Like, what are you thinking? <laughs> yeah, it's like everything I've ever had there was fantastic. Um, I think Eric is a fantastic chef. Um, like, I think that everyone that's worked there that I've ever cooked with has always been super talented um i think that like i always like to go places that are going to be inspiring um mm -hmm. i think hard sometimes in your hometown it's harder and harder to find those places though I, I i think people always try to say like oh well baltimore it's like no if you like lived in new york city and you ate out all the time you get tired of it yeah, yeah it's like there's only so many places you can go there's only so much money you're willing to spend on like a normal day like you're off you know what i mean it's mm -hmm. like it's not a special occasion you're not going to go out and drop 400 500 bucks yeah. you know um so yeah my criteria a lot of time is I guess depending on the day, it's like, how, are we trying to be fancy? Yeah. Are we just trying to like sit at? Like, I think a lot of times I like to sit at bars. Yeah. Because uh, I don't, I'm, I'm weird about like, I don't know, just because I'm in the industry, like I'm always in restaurants. I don't want to like take up a server, one of the servers like tables being like, it's like you don't really have to worry about me that much. Like yeah. I'm gonna tip you really well, but like I don't want you to like think that you have to worry about my table when you have like other people that deserve your attention more. Mm -hmm. So I always just end up sitting at bars talking to a bartender. I think that's normally. Is there a bar I can sit at that's nice? Is kind yeah. of a criteria as well. I live in Hamden, so it's like sometimes it's like we just go out in the neighborhood. I think I'm gonna steal that 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 uh, that's an observation I think I'm gonna use. Just I'm stop posting up at the bar. Uh, like I have a buddy that just moved into Baltimore, and 
he and I go back and forth because he tries to shade Baltimore, but secretly he likes it. I'm like, look, yeah. we're going to have issues. So, you know, I took him to um, the wine collective and he was just like, yo, he's like, everything on here is delicious. He's like, what's this European food we're eating? I was like, yes, and I'm adjusting my suspenders that I'm not wearing. Oh, yes. I was like, Big Daddy Rob Lee knows where things are at. Ah, yes, you just like rub your knuckle. <laughs> yeah. Very nice. He's like, so this white fish. I was like, oh, yeah, mm, yes, uh, if you want another order of that. I've never been to the Wine Collective. It's, it's great. Good. Yeah, yeah I've, great. I've heard really good things. Yeah, definitely get some vermouth when you go there. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd say I'm most excited right now about um, church. Yeah, same. Yeah. Same. Uh, I'm always excited about stuff Chelsea does, though. So it's Absolutely. Like, you know what I mean, it's like I'm always looking to the next thing. That, that's another person in the industry that like I feel the same way that they feel about Baltimore. It's like the the thing that um, she articulated in an article a while ago that was just like I feel like when I believe she said that she feels like when good people learn here and stay here, that's when we finally have the chance to elevate the city to where it needs to be. Mm. I think that there's like people like myself and her and a lot of us that have been here that like I'm not looking to what's outside of the city for what my next thing is you know yeah. I'm looking to like what can I do here how can I help elevate this place because I've only ever cooked here yeah. like what am I what do I look like getting to like I'm about to be 32 years old and I'm finally getting to the point where I feel successful as a chef yeah. and being like alright let's get out of here like, it's, like, yeah, it's like thanks for giving me everything guys see you in the funny papers you know it's, <laughs> like, it's like that's not I just think that's like, it's a little bit unacceptable a lot of people I know that like got you know, they cut their teeth, they get their chops up, and then they're yeah. like, all right, I'm grabbing, throwing my bag over my shoulder, getting on a train. I'm just waiting to see that article when it's like, Chef Bacon has been signed by the Yankees. It's like, what? <laughs> it's like, hold up, what? It's like, what doesn't even make any sense? Like, and that's and that's kind of like the, that's kind of the, it's like, are you trying to say we're, we've just been the minor leagues the whole time? <laughs> that's literally the interview, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's not cool. Like, it's like, you're waiting for that, like, you're waiting for the Grammy so you can leave. Like, kinda, like it's kind of messed up. And then, yeah, it's so many people, when you're, you're in the know and you see it, it's like, we have very discerning tastes here, and we're very authentic here, and, you know, it's like, if you're going to leave, what is the purpose of leaving? Like, I, because I struggle with it, we were talking about a little bit earlier, you know, what my purpose is, is I'm trying to bridge these things, I'm trying to bridge communities, what have you, because there has to be somebody that's try, that tries to do it, and... You know, I think it was something I heard heard from like Derek Adams that wherever he goes, regardless of where he's at, he's bringing Baltimore with him. And you know, that's the thing. It's not like oh, Baltimore based or Brooklyn. It's like no, I'm a Baltimore guy. Yeah. So whenever I go somewhere, I rep my city in your city. So you know just where I'm coming from. Yeah. Um. So this is the last one I have for you. Um. What are like two personality traits that you're looking for? Do you look to see in young chefs or, or cooks or what have you when you're like? you're gonna be in my kitchen, or I'm gonna work with you, or I wanna check out your place. What are you looking for? What are those two things you're looking for? There, I mean, between a, a chef whose food I want to eat and someone that I wanna work for me, they're, they're kind of different. Okay. Um, I think that like, you know, narcissistically a little bit, I look for sort of like... Who's like me? <laughs> yeah, kind of. Yeah. I mean, you know, like, like, like qualities that I know I embodied as a young cook that might have annoyed people I worked for back then, but now things that I notice in people that I'm like, like my sous chef Dave, for example, yeah. 26 years old and just sober dude, Yeah, you know, messed around with like, like had his demons when he was younger, but like, you know, his father yeah. doesn't drink, doesn't do any drugs, just like, but has this like ask me way too many questions. He's always like really, really, really worried about like whether I think everything that he's doing is right. Like, I mean, like things that are just yeah. like when I was a sous chef, 
I was that fucking guy. Yeah. Like, I, like, like, I don't know if I'm not supposed to. Right. Yeah, like, I was that guy. Like, I was the one where the chef's just like, look, man, what would you, what would you do? Do you know what I mean? Like, I literally had had conversations with him that, like, I'm all of a sudden, like, wow. I was on the other end of this talk. And it's like, that's why he's my dude. Like, that's why, yeah. like, in going to the future, like, Dave is going to be, the, like, I'm trying to build something with that person. Yeah. You know I mean? I'm trying to have it, like, when you see me, you see him. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's like, that's, you, I think I feel like you find that, eventually find that sous chef that you're like, look, bro, like, you fucking, you, like, you get me. Yeah. And you totally understand what we're trying to do here. And you're just completely and totally just, like, a maniac. Yeah. But, like, I think that's what I look for a lot. I had this young kid, Ryan, uh, who just recently moved to San Diego. He actually just got a job at, um, Juniper and Ivy at Richard Blaze's restaurant which I feel accomplished about that yeah. because it's like he was here yeah, he, he was working at other places in the city came here worked with us for seven months or something and then went there was like dude I feel like everything that you guys taught me is like what made me ready to get that job you know and um but he was the same way, like nervous little dude, like kind of weird, you know, like just very, very like he'd come over to me with like a flower and be like, chef, check out this flower. Like, yeah. It's the perfect one. You know what I mean? And I think it's like a combination between just like this nervous creative energy and sort of like me knowing for a fact that you want my job mm. is mm -hmm. the thing. Like, like just knowing that like, you know, you're not, I'm, I don't have to worry about like if I slip up, you're going to be like going upstairs being like, give me that guy's job. Yeah. But like, I know for a fact that like the reason you are here, the reason you come in every day and tie on your, your apron and put on that chef jacket and start doing your mise en place is because you're hoping that one day you get to wake up and say that you're the executive chef of a place like this. Yeah. Um, I think that like I, more and more have almost no interest in working with people that don't feel that way. Um, like, I want to do this on a high level, and I think the people that are, that are just there for a paycheck, I have no interest in that sort of cook. You know, that they exist, they're out there, they work for you yeah. on a normal basis. But, like, I think that what I'm really looking for is that person that, like, I know you want to be a chef. And the same thing is when I'm, I meet someone who, like, owns a place, or, like, that was another part of your question, yeah. like, that owns a place or you know, is a even just a line cook somewhere and trying to like, I'm sitting at a bar, they're trying to talk me into coming and check out the food somewhere. It's like, do they, you know, do they seem like they're in it for more reasons than just like, because being a chef's cool. You know, it's like, are we, do you talk, is there a, a glint in your eye when you start talking about that sauce? Like, yeah. do you, you know, are you like wearing, like honestly, this is gonna sound crazy, but like, are you wearing your chef coat in this bar right now? Because now I'm no longer interested. Like, it's like, <laughs> like there's just certain things that are like, I, I think every chef, no matter how we try to say it, is like kind of like, I'm talking to you, but like I'm, like not sizing you up, you yeah. know what I mean? It's like probably the same way as you meet someone that like says they're a content creator, yeah. or like you're sitting there, you're talking, right. yeah. and they're like, you know, yeah, they start saying things that you're kind of like, oh, well, that was, sketchy a little bit um, <laughs> like where's your uh, microphone tattoo <laughs> yeah it's like yeah not even that not even that like it's like not even like how hard do you go on it or like how how you know not like to come like it's not about comparing our problems it's not about like a like a pissing contest or whatever but it's just kind of like how like in the life really are you right like, is this what like you know it's very obvious as soon as I sat down and talked to you that like this is what you do like yeah. like you live and breathe this profession you know and, and I think that that's really like I want to eat food that has passion behind it. Absolutely. Like, I think there's no point, like, at the end of the day, cooking is an expression of love. If you don't love it, like, I don't want to eat, I don't even want to eat your food. <laughs> like, that's, that's legit. That's yeah. legit. All right. So now that we got there. I feel like that just made me sound like a crazy person. Kind it of, did not. Okay, good. We're on the same page. Right, it, doing this interview, I've realized we're on the same page a lot. Yeah, good. And it's troubling to me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think there's any problem with that. So with all of the goodwill that we've established over this last 40 plus minutes, hour, whatever, um, I'm going to piss it all away now with okay. these rapid fire questions. All right, good. 
So um, we're going to try to get these as quickly as possible. Uh, oh, no. So I just no, just just no. Don't even think about it. Just go. Yeah, just All go. Right. All right, cool. Uh, finish this sentence. Baltimore is special. Uh, what is your greatest extravagance? Like, what do you spend a lot of money on that people wouldn't uh, think? Synthesizers. That's about right. Your uh, Euro rack and modular synthesizers. Uh, favorite jazz musician. Oof. That was a tough one. Herbie I wrote Hancock. In. Okay. I guess. I'm um, a Charles Mangus guy, by the way. Okay. Um, I'd say George Benson or Herbie Hancock because yeah. I was always like super into guitar. So George Benson, just like I think, I think his music got a little cheesy in the 80s and stuff kind of like it became like uh mick jazz stop <laughs> but but like I, but I, I george benson just seriously like anytime that dude even like plays one note you're like that's george benson man I, like you know what i mean you like eyes closed <laughs> blindfolded and someone just hits one note and you're like that's george it's the like, same thing with like carlos santana it's like that's that's carlos yeah when you make that guitar cry <laughs> yeah so i'd say either hancock or benson for sure um what's your last meal Ooh, if I was gonna die tomorrow? Yeah, sure. Let's hope not, but let's say sure. Uh, say like a porchetta sandwich, mm. or a bon me. Probably most likely a sandwich. Yeah. Whatever it's gonna be, it's gonna be a sandwich. Buy a sandwich, <laughs> or, or like some kind of stew. I made like rabbit stew the other night for me and my girlfriend. Yeah. I think something like that too. Sounds good. Yeah, I think something really like either either a sandwich or something super homey that you're like kind of like. But that might make you too nostalgic if you know you're gonna it's die. Like, I don't want to leave. Yeah, you know. So just sandwich. Yeah, it's just sandwich. I like. It depends on the circumstances. I want to just be a villain. Like, if it's like, yo, the electric chair is here, you know? It's like, where are the beans? Where are the nachos? Where is just everything that's <laughs> just going to ruin everyone involved's life? One of, one of my line cooks asked me a while ago, he's like, what do you like? What do you eat the most? Like, what do you eat? I was like, sandwiches. And he's just like, really? Like, people always say, I was like, I had four sandwiches on my day off the other day. And he's just like, okay, fair. You fair. eat sandwiches a lot. <laughs> I mean, I haven't had a good sandwich in a while. I need to, I need to get familiar. That's sort of one of my, like, people all, like always talk about if they were going to open a place, I would want to open like a sandwich place that does like tasting menu at the chef counter on the weekend kind of thing. Hmm. Last last one. And I and I think I have an answer, but what do you consider to be your signature dish? If there's just like this is chef bacon on a plate, you know, put it out there. What's that signature dish for you? Probably a salad, honestly. Okay. Um I always have begrudgingly for a long time made these salads that always people eat places where I cook or like even when I was a sous chef I'd like put something on a menu somewhere and people would be like this is crazy like what even is this it's always a salad that it's like seemingly has too many components um always like root vegetable like right now we have like a beaten radish salad that everyone's like raving about that's what my girlfriend had yeah so it's like I think honestly if, if like I was to be on a show where they like just make us one dish yeah. it would probably be like I'd go and just only look at the vegetables okay that's, um, that's legit yeah I think I, I think I cook vegetables the best um, it, either that or some kind of off cut like I, like I say I do like pork cheeks or something like I'm doing pork cheeks and like corn grits on mm. the spring menu like probably something like that it, mm. it, it just depends on I think situationally when someone asks you to do that like you kind of like look like think about who you're cooking for yeah. like someone's like make us one dish it's like yeah. oh the panel's like Dan Barber and Tom Colicchio yeah, yeah. and those kind of people I'm doing the vegetable thing but if it's like a bunch of people from Baltimore I'm probably doing the pork cheeks and grits yeah no, no, no yard ends yeah <laughs> So with that being said, that's kind of what we have. So one, I want to thank you for being on this podcast. And two, I want to invite you and encourage you to tell the fine folks where to check you out, check out your work, and to where we're at right now. Tell the fine folks. Uh, So we are in the Ivy Hotel. It's at 205 East Biddle Street, and the restaurant is called Magdalena, and we are at Maryland Bistro. 
and uh, mainly we do sort of takes on Maryland classics, but a lot more it's sort of evolved into what my sort of take on a Maryland bistro is, where I just source everything uh, from Maryland and then sort of do what we want with it. And um, website um, your, or your social media, what have you? Um, my social media is uh, mm, Unexplained Bacon with four M's. It is a Simpsons reference. So for, um, for Chef Scott Bacon, I'm Rob Lee saying there is food in and around Baltimore. You just got to look for it.